Oh, I'm supposed to just go now. I was waiting for a cue. Come on, man. <laughs> try to let him fucking fill it in for once. Uh, for once, I know, and listen. That's why I didn't do it. For it's once, so for the once. whole point of the end of the podcast is for me to irritate you. Haven't you gotten that? Cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot go with him. Can't do it. You play the game. I mean, listen. We talking about practice, not a game, not a game, not a game. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. I am your host, Neil, and with me today is the Arizona Cardinals mascot, Adam. What's up, Adam? I was going to go caca, but I don't think that's the sound a cardinal makes at all. <laughs> I have no clue what sound a cardinal makes. Maybe one uh, of our bird expert listeners can help us with that. Yeah, right. Who, who is the expert of bird calls in the fantasy community? I have no clue. I have no clue. There's a zoo guy out there, right? Maybe the zoo guy knows what's up. He may know. His, he may know his birds. Do zoos know birds? I mean, besides the elite level birds, I mean, I don't know. They know eagles and shit like that, but I don't know if they fuck with cardinals. Like, I don't know if that's really a thing. Do zoos know birds? All right, we're starting off strong. We are. We are. Honestly, though, listen, man, I'm feeling like Adam Gates over here because. Josh voluntarily benched himself on this episode. He pulled over Rashad Jones, claiming, you know, he's been at the lake for days and days and blah, 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 blah. Like, <laughs> dude, this is the Cloud Dodgers podcast. We don't care about your first world issues, Josh. So show up, man. Show up. This is ridiculous. He's like, oh, you know, I'm at the lake for four days. Probably going to go to bed early. Fastest man in the world going to sleep early. Figure that shit out. Maybe that's why he's so fast. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why it all happens that way, man. Anyway. Our guest Shots rescheduled. Fired. Our guest rescheduled, right? Shout out to Ellie. He, he rescheduled. He's under the weather, so everybody hope he feels better. Unless that's just a lie he told us. Could be totally possible as well. So I'll put that out there in case somebody does know it's a lie and they're like, this idiot thinks he's really sick. You know, so we'll put that out there. But our guest rescheduled. Our backup bench player took the night off completely. So it's just me and you, man. Back to the good old days. The good old days. This could be the I universe love, telling us something. I love something. how you say that. <laughs> this could be totally the universe telling us something. Like, you don't need that. Back guys. to basics. Back to the basics. Yeah. So, anyway, man. Obviously, we've restructured the show a little bit just because of the scheduling situation that we had here. But regardless, we're still going to bring it. We're still going to have our, our amazing conversation here, Adam. We're still going to talk fantasy football. I got a bunch of non-fantasy football shit I really want to talk about, too. So, that's going to be fun. Um, Those are my favorites. Yeah, mine too. It's weird, right? We do this fancy pull-up podcast, but we like to do this other stuff more. Weird. Uh, anyway, um, let's start with, I would say, I guess, there's a couple of things that are the biggest news going on, I guess, but we'll, we'll start with AJ Green. We all seen that, you know, the unfortunate news, he got hurt, he went down at training camp with an injury, and it's serious enough where he's going to miss some time, right? We don't know if it's week one, two, three. We don't know how far it's going to go. And this obviously sucks for everyone, him the most as a player, as a person. So we wish, you know, him a speedy recovery. But as far as this injury, right, we, we know, like I said, first beginning of the season is definitely a blur at this point. We don't know what's going to happen there the first couple of weeks, but are you, are you concerned with it? Like from a, from the rest of the season standpoint, like, do you feel like, are you like concerned now? Like this is going to be injuries plaguing him this whole season, or do you feel like, we're going to get over this hump. We got the injury out the way early. And now we're, you know, full sail ahead with A.J. Green. 
I mean, right now it seems like the expectations that he's going to be sidelined about six to eight weeks. So from where we're at right now with the Hall of Fame game taking place, um, we're about four and a half, five weeks out from the regular season. So you're talking probably going to miss the first four weeks, maybe only like the first two or three weeks if he has a quick recovery. I don't know. I mean, it's tough uh, ultimately just because – the. I really tend to like to stay away from guys who get injured anywhere in the preseason. The risk for re-injury is so high that you have to have a really reduced cost to really outweigh the risk. And I've been playing so much best ball that I've already seen since the injury where he's going in relation to where he was going before. Uh, Prior to the injury, he was typically going in the fourth round, um, sometimes even in the late fourth round. Um, But Ultimately, with the injury now, he's going in like the sixth, which to me, a two-round value on A.J. Green, who might miss four weeks, is just not enough. Um, I mean, if he starts falling like eighth or later, I'd probably start considering him, but it'll be interesting to see come August like where he's going to start being drafted. Yeah, so obviously for like people who've already drafted him or have him in Dynasty, you just kind of at a loss at this point where you drafted him in Best Ball. It just kind of is what it is. Or you drafted him in your Scott Fishbowl, like somebody I know. You just kind of, you know, you got to eat those 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 weeks that he's not playing. You know, as far as if you, if you, you know, going forward, like you said, you obviously take a discounted price at him at this point. You know, just that's just the way it is. You just got to hope that it, uh, you know, he doesn't keep re-injuring himself or, you know, he can play the rest of the season. Um for green owners who already have him in leagues, right, or people just trying to capitalize on the moment, um, obviously mo- mo- a lot of people are already fans of Boyd. Obviously, he's on like every in every league on every team, so that's not really a question. But you know, some people see he's going to take a big jump, hopefully, or get some extra targets, whatever. But is there anybody besides Boyd that like you really care about because of this for those first four weeks? Like, do you care about Ross? because of this is there someone that you like besides ross or do you just feel like you know you really don't want any part of it you know if you have boyd you're happier you know you're just whatever but like is there anybody that you care about besides because of this loss that you care more about or is it mixing or like i mean do you care more about anything i mean honestly it's the exact opposite we saw it last year when aj green is out of the lineup everybody takes a step back in this yeah. offense I mean, Joe Mixon's splits between wins and losses are pretty dramatic as far as uh, fantasy point production goes. Tyler Boyd was more productive with A.J. Green on the field than he was when A.J. Green was off the field. I mean, the only guy, and this is insane, is if Tyler Eifert's healthy, I think he's the only one that actually helps because he has that presence where he can kind of take over a game. But even that's just like, it's a wish and a prayer. So I think more often, like, it, as far as how I'm approaching Cincinnati, this, this is more a negative towards everybody. Right. So it's not one of those situations where we feel better about a player. We just basically feel worse about everyone. We don't feel like Boyd is a guy who could take over yet or if ever at all. Um, so that, you know, it just kind of, you know, when these situations happen, I guess I bring it up because a lot of people go, oh, because this guy is hurt. Now this means this guy's targets. Go-. It doesn't work like that. Like people's targets don't go through the roof for now something because AJ Green got hurt. There are guys who would have gotten no targets, you know, who would who, who will improve, you know, obviously have more opportunities. But a guy like Boyd, who was already solidified where he was at, it's not like now he jumps. You know, it's not like he gets all AJ Green's targets. Like it doesn't work that way. But people see it that way. I guess that's a basic way of people looking at it. But it's definitely a, a, a bad idea. And like you said, with a guy like Boyd, 
you know, he's not even a guy that people believe in, or most people don't believe in, that he could take over or replace an Adrian Green. He's a guy you feel like will get worse. On the other end, if it was like an Antonio Brown leaves, you don't worry about Juju taking over. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, completely. I yeah. mean, and and the splits show that. I mean, Juju and Antonio is a great example. In games that Antonio Brown did not play, Juju Smith-Schuster was phenomenal. Right. And that's just not something you see with Tyler Boyd. I mean, ultimately, A.J. Green is one of those type of players, and there are, you know, probably about 32 players in the league that are like this, one player on every offense, where if you remove them from the offense, it is not a team that anyone wants to touch. Like, they're just, they dramatically affect how the offense is run. And for Cincinnati, that guy is A.J. Green. And you see it in how they perform when he is on the field versus when he's off the field. And if he's going to miss the first four weeks, I feel like that, to me, has me taking pause over Joe Mixon in the second. It has me, you know, questioning if I want to add any Bengals later on in the draft. I mean, I'm just, I'm less than enthused. Right. No, I'm with you on that. And. That's our take on it, man. That's how we feel. Some people feel the other way about, you know, guys like Boyd or Mixon. They may feel like they're going to get more opportunity, but we both agree that's not going to take place here, that Boyd's not going to pull a juju or anything like that. So that's how we feel about it. But you did mention, you know, taking players out of an offense. There's 32 of them, and if you take them out of an offense, you know, you don't feel good about anything. You're not feeling better about any specific player. Um, Two running backs that are causing issues right now are Zeke Elliott and Melvin Gordon. Um, knowing their offenses, knowing how they run, knowing the other players on the team, do either one of those guys give you that vibe, or do you feel like both of those teams will just throw their Alfred Morris in there, will throw their Eckler in there, and we don't feel like they miss a beat, everybody else? Yeah, I mean, they're running backs. They don't matter. They don't matter <laughs> to you, man, at all. Jeez. I mean, that's 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 the mantra, right? That is. I mean, in all in all reality, I mean, there are splits. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the splits for uh, the Chargers with Eckler versus, you know, when they have Melvin Gordon in the lineup, they're still winning the same number of games. Yeah. Like, they're still, they're still just as competitive from a win-loss standpoint. So, I mean, ultimately, I think that Losing someone like Melvin Gordon, for instance, for the Chargers is something that they will see as a calculated risk. Mm-hmm. And if, if that has to happen, it will. And as far as from a fantasy perspective, how I would view that offense is I'm not going to I'm not going to take targets away from Keenan Allen because Melvin Gordon's not playing. Right. I'm not going to, you know, think that Hunter Henry can't have an eight touchdown season because Melvin Gordon's not running in the backfield like there's just there's so little that correlates to melvin gordon on that offense that to me it at least keeps everybody where they're at if not you know bumps them up a little bit if they have more of a pass to run split it's funny how that works man it's funny how you take out aj green boo the whole offense you take out melvin gordon like ah we're good man we're good we're good <laughs> it's like you take out levy and bell cj james connor like we're cool we're good about it we don't we don't worry about it but it's like again but I mean, I guess that that's such an always situation. People could try to try to relate them and say, well, you know, you take away AJ Green now, you don't like anybody because you don't think Boyd can pull a juju when AB's not there. In this case, you don't feel that way. Like you take out Melvin Gordon, you think Eckler is going to do just as well. But not, I'm not saying just as well. But like nobody else is going to miss a beat because of it. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, it won't similar. affect the team. Yeah. It might affect the production from that one position on the team. But at the end of the day, from like an NFL standpoint, that doesn't matter to them. 
So, I mean, I think it's interesting, though, because the other player that you listed, Ezekiel Elliott, I think has a much greater impact because of how the Cowboys have shown they want to run their offense. And if they don't have a player like Ezekiel Elliott, it changes so dramatically how they want to run their offense that who knows if they're, you know, going to be as successful or less successful if someone like him isn't on the isn't on the field. So I think it's not necessarily all running backs don't matter in right. the sense of like that idea that there's probably one player on every team that if you remove they're going to have a dramatic effect on the offense. I think Ezekiel Elliott could definitely be that for the Cowboys. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I mean, it's it's a huge difference, and it's just the way they play it. It's not it's not going to pan out that way. So I mean, with those two guys, I don't know if you have a lot of shares in either. I don't. I know you play a lot of best ball. I don't know if you have a lot of shares there. Are you panicking about either of these guys? I mean, what's your gut feeling? I I feel like personally, teams at this point don't give a damn if a running back holds out. Cowboys a little more because, it, like you said, it's Zeke, but also just the way they act. Like the owner acts so prideful and like they're just so, you know, I don't know, I don't even know the word to use, but they're just a different kind of organization. So I feel like that situation probably won't linger. But the Melvin Gordon one, I honestly see him whole, sitting out the whole year. Like I really don't see a problem with that. I don't see it being a big deal to the Chargers. Like we said, we don't think they miss a beat necessarily if he's not there. And I have no problem with him doing it because obviously you got to get yours. But are you. If you're a fantasy player right now, maybe not yourself, because I don't know what your shares are like with these guys, but would you be panicking as an owner of these guys, as, as someone who has these guys on their team? Or are you like, you know, thinking both of these situations are going to work themselves out and not be a Le'Veon Bell situation? This is such an interesting question, especially when you frame it in the idea of shares, um, because this is ultimately where I think the conversations between best ball and I actually, I should formulate it three different ways. The, the conversation between seasonal best ball and things like the best ball championship where you're competing against a large number of teams that are being drafted across the entire off season, how strategies are dramatically different for each of those things. Because uh, what I would say is for regular best ball leagues and for seasonal, I am of the mindset that Melvin Gordon probably could hold out. And if he misses any time, I do not want to be drafting him anywhere near where I'm seeing him go. And I'm just basically fading entirely. But what's interesting is in something like the Best Ball Championship, what's unique about it is because people have been drafting all offseason and because Melvin Gordon has been consistently going in the first round all offseason, now you have this insanely discounted cost where there's incentive to actually draft him in like the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds where I'm seeing him go sometimes because ultimately on the off chance that he plays, you're, I mean, you're going to hit a home run versus all of the other people who have drafted prior to that. Right. It, it's kind of weird how the best ball championship, because it's being drafted over such a long period of time, becomes very stock market-esque, where with certain players, you just want to buy low, even if there's risk that they'll you know, miss a ton of time because everybody gets the same value of that player. But if you're getting it at a lower cost, you're automatically getting an edge on every single person who's already drafted that player. That's crazy. And that's why it's so, you know, so specific how we talk about these things. Like you said, whether it's redraft, dynasty, DFS, DFS, you know, championships, all these, all these competitions, all these different challenges. It's like, yo, there's so many ways to play fantasy at this point that 
it's kind of why I guess the industry as a whole is kind of broken down into so many different factions, right? Like there's oh, for sure. so many specific things now, like podcasts, articles, websites, like you can literally find a niche within a niche within a niche in fantasy. It's so crazy. And then, you know, again, you know, guys like us, we're in this 24 seven, it doesn't stop. But then the casual people come in and like, they don't have a chance, man. <laughs> they don't have a chance <laughs> because it's, they're at such a disadvantage for people who never stop consuming this stuff. Yeah, it's really interesting the part that you're saying about how it is so segmented now. And I think that it's actually a good thing in a lot of ways because at the end of the day, fantasy is all a game. And what I kind of just illustrated is that, you know, we're all playing fantasy football, but the way in which the game itself is structured can change how, like, can dramatically change how I'm targeting players. I mean, I'm not touching Melvin Gordon in a seasonal draft. If if I were to do a seasonal draft for a redraft league tonight, I I would have no interest in Melvin Gordon because I'm really paranoid that he's going to miss time, if right. not the entire season. And I think that it, at where most people are going to draft him, I'm just not going to want to take that risk on. Whereas, you know, in something like the Best Ball Championship, like I was outlining – there's an incentive, there's an added incentive to get him at that cost because it's so dramatically lower than every single other person who's drafted him. So on the off chance that he outperforms that or he performs as though he is a first-round pick, um, even if you think that's an extremely minute off chance, buying him at that diluted cost is everything. I mean, and that'll be shown this year in Tyreek Hill dramatically. I mean, people who bought him at his diluted cost are going to benefit tenfold because he's he's going to play and everybody who's buying him at his inflated cost now is going to be at a dramatic deficit just because of the the value that they had to pay to get that asset right yeah and and speaking of how you're saying you know you have to change how you draft from one style to the next it kind of a call back to last week's episode where we talked about jj and the scott fishbowl right i mean he's mr late round quarterback and he didn't really go late round quarterback because he understood the difference in, you know, what he's typically talking about and then what he was actually participating in at that point, right? So it's one of those things where I, I, I'm kind of curious how many people don't adjust, though. You know, how many people get stuck in their way and just kind of don't adjust when they bounce around? I, I, I guess I'm always curious about how many people out there are just pl- falling victim to, you know, stay in the course or falling for, you know, just just kind of taking one thing and spreading it across all of them or how many just casuals are out there just just throwing away money. You know what I mean? I guess I don't know why that thought comes to mind, but I'm always just always wondering like in these competitions, especially in the best ball stuff, like how many people are really just throwing money away? You know what I mean? Like how many are? Yeah. I think all of us like to think that we're not, but then we find out at the end of the year (laughs) whether or not we were. So I, I'm, I'm happy to say that for the three years that I've been playing best ball, I've made profits every single year. I feel confident that that will happen again this year. There is no way to know that that is going to be the case. So yeah, it's a it, it's a weird, nerve wracking experience, uh, especially with someone like myself, as I've been increasing volume in best ball every year. It it definitely you know you always I, I at least I think if you play anything that's like fantasy, anything that where you're having to predict outcomes, you're always going to be second guessing yourself. Absolutely. I mean, I think I am. I think it's. Part of having a good process, though, is to second guess yourself because for me, it causes me to look deeper into situations. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the healthier way, you know, to approach it. I think. Um, 
staying on running back really quick, I know it's not really much of a big deal, but Theo, Theo Riddick is no longer calling the D his home. That's Detroit for my less street-savvy friends. Um, do we care more about where he lands? Like, Do we give a damn really about his effect on the running back position where he goes, or do we care more about the running back position that he just left more room in? I care more about him leaving room. Um, I was not drafting Carryon Johnson, and I think now I am definitely going to start drafting Carryon Johnson, which sucks because I think it's going to be at a little <laughs> bit of an inflated cost. Um, but yeah, I think that. I mean, because I've seen a lot of people real. talking about that's that's like 70, 80 targets at a minimum right. that are going to go from Theo Riddick to Carryon Johnson. Like that's dramatic. I mean, you're talking, you know, but again, are they Johnson all going to carry on Johnson though? I mean, not necessarily, right. yeah. but CJ Anderson is not known for catching a football. Right. So, I mean, in the ways in which that they're going to use him, I think, I mean, I still have a little bit of tempered expectations there because I could see them splitting more between CJ and carry on. But I think that, you know, if you're looking at it just from, what the status was two weeks ago with Theo Riddick on that offense to what the status is now with him gone. I mean, you've got to increase, if you do any form of projections, you have to increase the targets to carry on Johnson by almost 50. And that, I mean, that's insane. That's super dramatic. So I think that for him, it's a giant boost. And as far as where Theo Riddick goes, I mean, I think that he's a threat to take pass catching roles from a lot of people. But at the same time, like, he's an older guy. He's going to a new team. I just, I don't know. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be that threatened by him. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've seen both conversations, like, on Twitter and, and whatnot. You know, people saying where he's going to go, the impact he's going to make. And, then, of course, everyone's talking about Carryon Johnson. Um, so, you know, I was just curious which one you felt was, you know, more important. But I, I, you're right. I mean, those targets have to go somewhere. And don't be down on C.J. Anderson, man. Listen, if he's done anything, he's earned you the right for you not to doubt him at come on man come on believe in cj anderson believe i feel like this is my capri bibs thing now go see <laughs> yeah well it'd be a much better choice than capri bibs but that's true uh one, one other quick note from the news that i've seen on here dolphins fire their o-line coach do we care does it affect fancy players and the dolphins in your opinion are you worried about drake any of these guys do you really care, or do you think they wouldn't have pulled the trigger on this if it really mattered? I mean, I don't know. I'm not really drafting Drake that much as it is. I feel like he's just going about a round earlier than I want to pay, where, like, he's often going in the fourth round, and there I'm still getting wide receivers Well, I mean, the often. other running back there, you know, he's getting a little popular right about now. Do you think this yeah. is going to kind of put a little dent on him? I mean, what are you thinking, Adam? <laughs> I just feel like if the Dolphins fired him right now, I mean, an organization can't be that dumb, can they? Like... If it's something that's going to affect them dramatically, would they really have done it? I mean, I read that his system, they just weren't – it just wasn't working. Like, it just wasn't fitting for whatever reason. Like, I feel like they had to look at it before they made this move. Like, is it worse to keep trying this or is it worse to, like, just get rid of it now? I feel like I'm not worried about it, but, I, you know, I like to look at every little detail, every little thing. And so that's just something I see, and I'm like, hmm, would that have any effect? And I'm like, well, if it wasn't working in the first place, I, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned, but, I mean, it is interesting. Yeah. Any coaching change at this time in the year is pretty interesting. Yeah, very Raider-like of the Dolphins. Raider fans actually probably wish the Raiders just did this with Tom Cable because he is, like, the worst. <laughs> we wish you would have did it, Raiders. 
Anyway, um, I did want to talk about something that you seem to have posted everywhere today as, as, it, as if there was some kind of pride in it. Um, your best ball running back ownership percentages because you draft zero running back, would you say, in best ball for the most part? I, I mean – the numbers sure show it. I really didn't think that I was drafting that much zero running back this year, but I think it's more that the guys that I target when I draft zero running back are also the late round running backs that I'm targeting anyway. So they just happen to be the guys that I have the highest ownership in. Yeah. Okay. So here, here's what you, what you posted. These are guys that you said you have over 15% owned in your best ball championship tournament, right? So, yeah, well, these are any of the tournaments, so either the okay. best ball championship or the mini best ball championship, yeah. Man, you got some names here that I don't even want to read. <laughs> Let me ask you this. All right, let's make it easier because some of these names are just bad. No, they're not bad. But is is there names on here? I, I know some of you are just drafting for, like, value and lottery tickets and, you know, if this happens, if that happens. But are there names on here that you, like, seriously, seriously think – they're going to make a huge difference. Like if you had to take two or three names off of here, which guys do you feel like are legitimately like, you're like, I'm pretty sure these guys are gonna make an impact. Like if, if everything goes, as I think it's going to go like, this is for real. They're not just like me gambling. I mean, I, I will address that, but before I pick like, you want to run through the them all? reason, well, no, the reason <laughs> that there's such a large group is, um, I think it's important not to just focus all your shares on just a for few sure. guys that I you agree. think can hit. And if you notice something about all of these players, at least in my opinion, there. So essentially, what what I did is I took a look at just the top, just the top players um, at the running back position. Like Neil said, that I drafted in over fifteen percent of drafts. And what I realized was that out of fourteen running backs that I had over fifteen percent ownership to, twelve of those fourteen had an ADP in the seventh round or later, and the only two that were being drafted within the first six rounds were David Johnson and Aaron Jones. So that's like, those are the only guys that I've been targeting a lot in the early rounds. That being said, the spread in the later rounds, it mostly has to do with how I identify what I wanted a zero running back target. So the trends that you'll notice across all these guys, they play on offenses that project to be in the top half of the league. They have pass-catching ability for the most part. Check. And they're in backfields that are relatively uncertain. Check. And you'll see that across basically every single one of these running backs. But, I mean, you asked, so I'll just answer with, you know, three of the guys who I've been targeting the most often. Uh, Matt Breida. I think that San Francisco projects to be a offense that's ascending this year. I think that with Jimmy Garoppolo back, that – the offense has, you know, everything it needs to be moving in the right direction. And it has an unsure backfield. I mean, we have Tevin Coleman going in the sixth round right now. I think that he probably projects to be, you know, the starter coming into the year. That being said, Jarek McKinnon still banged up and he is uncertain. And I know as much as Neil hates it, Matt Burrito was the most productive running back in that backfield last year. So I think that there's good possibility and where you're able to get him in like the 12th, 13th round sometimes. I mean, it feels like a steal. Um, but yeah, just I won't rant and rave about the other two, but the other two that I have some of the highest ownership to is uh, Daryl Henderson on Who I think uh, the Rams. you have in every single league. 
What's that now? I think you have him in every single league I've seen you draft in, every best ball, every everything. I feel like I see him on your roster. Yeah, I do own him in a lot of places. I mean, I, I own him in the Scott Fishbowl, which is probably the other place that you're used to seeing him. And uh, I also own Matt Breida in the Scott Fishbowl, if I remember correctly. I think you do. And uh, the next one I also own in the Scott Fishbowl, and that's Justice Hill. And uh, he's my fourth most owned running back. But I have been drafting him a lot more recently than the guy who's at number three, which is Ido Smith. But, you know, that whole group, all of those players kind of have that same – build to them where I think that they have opportunity to catch passes. I think that they're going to be in an offense that's either ascending or top half of the league. And I think that they're in uncertain backfields. And I think that's, that's just what I try and gravitate towards when I'm drafting these running, zero running back targets. Yeah. And just so people have an idea, some of the other guys you have on here, Darwin Thompson, Chase Edmonds, Miles Sanders, Ronald Jones, Eckler, Samuels, guys like that. So they all, you know, you see what Adam's talking about as far as the teams they're on the way that running back committee is going, the mold of the player himself. But, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I mean, how many people do you think are doing this in your championships and these things that you're playing the best ball? I mean, not the majority for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's why that there is an advantage to doing it. I yeah. think um, in I, I want to say it was like three or four years ago now. I can't remember which, but – Zero running back became a lot more popular, and it felt like a lot more people were doing it in drafts. And when that started happening, the stacks that you could get at the beginning of drafts weren't as impressive. But I mean, this year, you're—I mean, I'm sometimes able to get like two of the top six wide receivers, and then turn around and on the three-four turn, you're still able to get, you know, guys like Keenan Allen, uh, AJ Green before his injury. Um, you know, Julian Edelman, Brandon Cooks, yeah. like guys who have legit wide receiver one potential. And if you can start your draft with four guys that all project to potentially have a top 10 wide receiver season, I mean, it for me, it's really hard to pass up on that. And then when it ends up turning into a real zero running back team is when I get to the late fifth and sixth round. I just don't like a lot of the guys there. <laughs> I'm, I'm the I don't. I, I think that there's a lot of uncertainty there. I mean, the, at, at best, I'm taking a guy like a Tariq Cohen or a James White, and they don't even you know project to be workhorse backs. They're just guys who have gadget roles in their offenses that are really carved out that feel like they're going to be really consistent year over year. But, I mean, in all reality, it, it's very easy, in my opinion, in the back half of drafts to have it become a zero running back draft pretty quickly. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. And the beauty of fantasy is right now you feel like you're in the minority drafting like this, and if it works next year you'll be in the majority, and then you have to switch up and find something different. Like That's what I love about fantasy is not only is there not just one way to do it, not just one way to win it, but once it works, then you have to reinvent it again. You know what I mean? And like it gives you this thing where it's constantly a new challenge, con- constantly have to be reinvented, constantly having to find the next edge because there's some new stat or new this that comes out, new whatever. So it's like, I, I love that it's like forever evolving. Like, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying here, but like, yeah, it's, it's ever evolving. Yeah. yeah it's, like, no, it's, I, it's beautiful. I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, all right. So yeah, I mean, it's an interesting concept. I've been doing it a lot too with not in best ball necessarily, but just in drafts in general, when those wide receivers keep coming, like you said, it's just hard at this point to like, choose some running back you don't believe in as much over the guys that are just seem obvious at that point. So we'll see if it works out, man. I did something similar and Scott Fishbowl is like you. So we'll see how it plays out. 
Um, I do want to talk really quick also before we jump over to foul or no foul and all that good stuff. Um, me and you made a trade, man. We made a trade. Oh, yeah, that happened. It happened. The guy who they say never trades, traded. I traded. Uh, and I just did it out the blue, right? You didn't harass me. You didn't offer it. I just did it. Yeah, this is one of those special trades where somebody just throws it and the <laughs> other person accepts it. And there was no other conversation yeah. that happened. Yeah, the conversation yeah. was like, I can't believe he offered me this. But Well, to be fair, we've been talking about these same players basically forever. all offseason. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like there wasn't a ton of context already built the up. The best part is you wouldn't have offered me that because you would have thought I wouldn't accept it. Oh, that's not true. That's actually probably pretty close to what I would have offered oh, okay. if, like, okay. I actually went back in and I was like, I'm specifically targeting Sammy Watkins. What can I offer Neil that he might accept? Okay. That's probably the offer that I would have actually thrown at you because <laughs> I know you've been shopping for some relevant uh, quarterback, and I know that you would think that Sammy Watkins is not that much of a step up from Tyrell Williams, who's the player that you got. But if you want to outline the full trade. Yeah, so basically we're in a dynasty super flex. I literally have like no other quarterback except Derek Carr. So I don't want to pay crazy for quarterbacks because I know that's how people want to do me in this league. Obviously, would it be in super flex? And like I've talked about, I think I've talked about on the podcast before, I don't do a lot of trade in this league now at the moment because the last year or whatever in the offseason, I've kind of accumulated a lot of the guys that I love. So now I'm not looking to just give them away. And so I'm kind of being greedy at quarterback, and maybe it'll be to my demise, and that's okay. That's fine. But I said, let me try to get some spare parts out here. Let me try to get some quarterbacks that if someone gets injured or, like, you know, they're at the end of their career, maybe I can get them for the cheap. So I know you like Sammy Watkins. I know whenever we talk about him in the chat, on the podcast, anywhere, I have to hear, you know, his potential, top 24, da 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 And who knows? Maybe something happens to Hill and it gets even better. But – I wanted Tyrell Williams, my Oakland Raider, my new Oakland Raider wide receiver. And I said, let me pair up Tyrell Williams and Ryan Tannehill, who is not going to play unless Mariotti gets hurt. But let's be honest, that's not a crazy stretch of the imagination for him to get hurt. If it does, that's unfortunate. But it gives me a quarterback potentially. I don't even know how good he would be if he was a starter. But it's a it's a, it's a live, bleeding, breathing quarterback. Um, so I took Tyrell Williams and Tannehill, and I gave you Watkins. Now, like you said, you're really high on Watkins. I'm not as high on Watkins. I just kind of fell into him for whatever reason. I just happened to have him. And I'm saying it now, man. I'm going on the record. I think Tyrell Williams can have a season with the Raiders. In the, the closest comparison to it would be like his 2016 season. Do you know, do you know the numbers he put up in 2016? Yeah. It's, I mean, you're essentially saying he could have a career year. Not career. I mean, it could be similar. Yeah, it could be okay. potentially. Yeah, he had sixty-nine receptions, slightly over a thousand yards, and like seven touchdowns. I, I mean, mean it, that would that would be pretty close to a top twenty-four season. Yeah. So I I I don't think it's crazy that he can do it. I don't know how many people are with me on that. I don't know how many people. If there is one out there that would agree with me, I don't know what people expect of Tyrell Williams at this point. But I believe he can do that again. I really do. Um, and of course. I'm a Raider fan. You always have to preference it with, pre, you know, let people know that. So I'm looking through a little bit of a, <laughs> a little bit of a, a Raider glare here, but I, I really do believe that I've always liked him, and obviously he's done it before. I always like to say, if someone's done it before, why would I be ridiculous to think that they could do it again? I don't think that's ridiculous ever to say that. So if he did it once before, plus everything coming out of camp, which I know is just camp. And I know it's just been off-season training and this and that. But, like, everything that's been coming out has been, like, glaring reviews for him. And they want 
Derek Carr to throw the ball deep more. Like, it's kind of like a big emphasis right now this year. I don't know why. They want him to run the ball more, which is a little weird that you want your quarterback to run more. But they want him to run the ball more, and they want him to throw the deep ball more. So I feel like Tyrell Williams is definitely a, you know, a point of emphasis if you're going to throw the ball deep. So I just feel really good about him in all aspects, even if he wasn't a Raider. I liked him as a Charger, and obviously I should hate him as a Charger. <laughs> so it's just I really feel really good about him. So Sammy Watkins for me always has the injury risk, which I know it's really hard to really put that on somebody, but I just feel like that's always there, and I always feel like he doesn't hit his full potential. When it, so ever since he came out, I feel like he's never been the guy we've all wanted him to be. So I felt okay. Plus I have plenty of wide receivers, so I feel like if it goes bad, I'm not like dead in the water. You know what I mean? And so throwing the quarterback there, sweetened it a little bit. And so I'm curious. I threw a podcast poll up last week, and we got you know a lot of votes on there, which was interesting because the people seemed to go opposite of what you guys said originally on the podcast, even though you guys seemed really gung-ho about it at the time. So I'm curious what they'll say. Obviously, you take the Sammy Watkins side of this on the poll. <laughs> I take the Tyrell Williams side. But I'm curious what people you know voting will say, and we'll come back with it next week. Like last week was the Cardinals versus the Browns offense, which you and Josh both said the Cardinals offense, you still preferred it, um, those players that we mentioned. But the Twitter voters said the Browns. So And some even said, is this even a real poll? <laughs> so <laughs> it's funny how this works out, right? Even though you have a boring-ass podcast, you can question my, you know, my poll. It's okay. Um, but – uh yeah anyway i'm gonna put this one up there i'm curious what people will say what is your take on why you accepted it so easily and gracefully and happily um i mean unless you think ryan Tannehill usurps marcus Mariota, i don't understand it um but i mean mainly that's that's also how because far I, off I, I believe do you in think Sammy Watkins Watkins. And, how far off do you think they are what sammy watkins and Terrell williams yeah I mean, a lot more than a backup quarterback. Like, Come on, man. What if the backup quarterback is to start a couple of games and I needed that? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, like, to be fair, like, I get where you're coming from in the sense that, you know, Terrell Williams, he's only a year older. You know, he doesn't have the injury history. Um, you think that he's going to a situation that's at least similar to where he was from, if not maybe better. Right, and he played better than Williams last year, Watkins last year. Yeah, I, so, I mean... Again, it's not crazy. Yeah, over the full season. But oh, on a per-game basis, Watkins had huge games. I mean, I think I think for me, it's just... I, I think Sammy Watkins has always had elite potential. I mean, you know, this is a player that has never kind of reached the ceiling, and I don't necessarily think he's going to with Kansas City. But I think that he ultimately is going to be in an offense that just is something I want a piece of. So for me, it was like a no brainer. That being said, I don't think it's dramatically far off. I mean, I think that Tyrell Williams, like I, there was a reason I owned him. Like I I felt, feel like he can still have a pretty consistent season where you see that he could have like a top 24 ceiling. I think he has more like a top 36 ceiling, but you know, that that's, that's just where we kind of differentiate. Honestly, right. for this upcoming season, though, Sammy Watkins and Tyrell Williams will probably be pretty close to one another. Yeah. I mean, unless, you know, Tyreek misses any time and then Sammy has huge potential. But We'll see how it plays out. We'll let Twitter vote. We'll let the Cloud Edger family vote. We'll see how who they side with. And I'm sure they're going to side with you. I, I, I expect that because... Yeah, but this is going to be rough for you. <laughs> so you think it'll be worse than the Cardinals-Browns poll? 
Oh no, that was bad. I mean, I even <laughs> regretted that after the podcast. Like I kind of realized the breakdown immediately and I was like, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, like I'm drafting Baker ahead of Kyler everywhere. I mean, I'm drafting, you know, Odell Beckham ahead of any Cardinals wide receiver. I mean, I dragged just, you guys into that. I dragged yeah. you into that. You guys were all raving about the Cardinals, oh, raving sure. about the Cardinals, and I just I put you on the spot and I made you, you know, stay in your brand, man. Yeah. It right. was good stuff. It's all right. It's all right. We'll see how this poll plays out. I hope everybody votes. Please vote if you're listening when we when we throw it up. Um all right, I have, we, got, we had one question, I believe, that wasn't specific to Elliot on Twitter. So uh, that was from Paul. I think I don't know how you pronounce his name. You know, me and Paul's been around talking for a long time, but I don't really know how he has his name on here. But I know it's Paul Ryan, so we'll just go with Paul Ryan. It's at Paul underscore Ryan fifteen. He said, "You can only have one for the rest of your life. Which one will it be? Breakfast tacos or breakfast burritos?" Now I have to be honest here. I've never had a breakfast taco. So. Yeah, I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> I mean, I've had a breakfast burrito, but I'm not even one of these people that is like, oh, man, breakfast burritos are great. I'm like, no, they're they're microwave trash that I eat <laughs> if I'm really, really hungover. But they're pretty or, great in that Or moment. like have to have an emergency meal supplied by a gas station. Like, what are we doing, people? Now, to be fair, Paul is in Texas. Which uh, maybe that they're really good. Completely changes everything. Yeah, I'm. I'm assuming their breakfast tacos and burritos are like amazing out there. So yeah, I mean, I bet anything if you have it like a gourmet level is going to be amazing. So yeah, if I went to like some nice restaurant and they had a breakfast burrito, sure it's going to be great. But like, I don't know. When I think breakfast burrito, I don't know about you, but I think about like Seven Eleven frozen <laughs> breakfast burrito that you throw in the microwave. Yeah. Like, that's what I think of. I think me Because it's you, not an appetizing thing. Yeah, I think we're too inexperienced in this uh, in this field to fully give it a fair answer. I have to just go with burrito off of the fact that it's the only thing I've experienced. Um, I'm sure a breakfast taco is good, but I've never had one. So I would like to try one if anyone has a, um, a recommendation. or I mean, does anyone have a recommendation on either of these things? Like, where is the elite level breakfast burritos or breakfast tacos? I don't know if... That has to be from a restaurant or how that works, but this is true. This is something I need more information. Yeah, on. I need more information. I don't know. Especially breakfast taco. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, that's not like a Taco Bell thing, is it? I mean, it's got to be a common thing besides Taco Bell. <laughs> so yeah, I gotta try these things out. So if anyone has a recommendation on, on the best place to do it, where it doesn't like cost a hundred dollars or something, that's cool. Um, but I'm curious what Paul's thought, thought is. So I'll ask Paul back on Twitter and we'll see what he says and we'll we'll come back to it. But. Yeah, I don't have enough experience in those to really give a fair answer. But breakfast burritos in the microwave when you're desperate are, like, not bad, man. You're, you're giving them a bad name, Adam. Level of desperation. They're like ramen really noodles. They're like noodles and noodles, man. Like, they're not that bad when you really need it. Yeah, level of desperation <laughs> is key. It is. All right. Thank you, Paul, for the question. Thank you to anyone who sends in questions. Uh, we try to get to all of them, so we appreciate it. Let's jump over to Fowler No Foul so we can close this bad boy out. Um, foul or no foul is the game where I am going to throw statements at Adam. He is going to give me his opinion on whether he feels that statement is accurate. If he agrees with it, there's no foul. If he thinks it's hogwash, <laughs> I just wanted to say hogwash, that it is uh, a foul. It's a foul. Yeah. So the first first one for you, Adam. And I will, I have all, all these ones from today. I have some sort of reference on why I brought it up, so I'll go over that after the fact. But the first statement is, playing video games too much is a mental health disorder. Foul or no foul? 
foul. It's a career. What are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> All right. See, I agree with you. I agree with you. But the caveat is the reason I brought this up is because um, they just had a Fortnite championship where the dude won like kid won like three million dollars bro i'm like jesus man this is crazy and they got the you know the leagues for the nba now where guys are doing like full-time careers out of it but the reason i brought it up was because i seen in the article and i was you know looking at this kid who just won three million dollars in Fortnite. it said that the world health organization announced last month that it was deeming a gaming disorder as a mental health condition and it said the organization didn't say how much time people need to you know to spend playing it but you know, in, in a day or a week or whatever to have the disorder. But one way they, you know, people exhibit this disorder in their opinion is when there's increase in priority given to gaming to the extent that the gaming takes precedence over other life interests and daily activities. Tell that to the kid who just made $3 million. Yeah. I mean, it's all a balancing act in the sense of like, I think that having designations like that for addiction are extremely important though, because I think it will help the culture as a whole. Right kind of rework our framework around addiction to kind of realize that addiction isn't about the thing that someone is addicted to. It's about the behavior around everything else in their life. Like, yeah, I mean, an esports gamer who plays video games, you know, 40 hours plus a week, say 50, 60 hours a week, there's no problem with that because they made a career out of it and that's how they're pursuing an income. If you have a wife and kids and <laughs> you are trying to hold down a nine-to-five job and you are on top of that playing video games for 40 hours a week, you might be taking away from other things in your life or avoiding certain things in your life that you don't want to deal with. Like, those situations can be drastically different even though the behavior is the same. Right. So gaming disorder could exist in depending on the context. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So it could be real. It could be legit. But... uh First of all, congratulations to all these people making careers out of this shit, man. Remember when we oh when my you God, played that? Crazy. Even now, still to this day, obviously, if parents see their kids on games, not something like, yo, you got to get off that. Like, you do Dude, realize that there's a world outside, right? My uh, my nephew, as well as my best friend's son, they're both uh, five and six, and it's crazy how much they watch esports gamers, like. They're five and six years old. They will watch people on YouTube playing the games that they play, mostly like Minecraft and Roblox yep. and stuff like that. Yep. But then they recreate the things that they saw. I mean, it's not. It's funny to me because they're watching it educationally. Like, they're literally studying the video games that they're playing and learning how to do better things in those video games. And then they turn around and do it. It's, it's hilarious because I think a lot of parents from the outside be like, they're so addicted to video games that they're watching videos on it. But it's like, no, for them, it's like their way of self-expression is to be able to build things in these artificial environments. And they think it's neat and it's cool. And like, it's virtual Legos. It's basically what we did with Legos as a kid. Right. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I mean, yeah, definitely, you know, more power to everyone who's out there making a living out of stuff that they love that the Internet has given us the ability to do now. You know what I mean? So shout out to everyone doing that. And don't ruin your life over it. Like Adam said, put it in context. (laughs) Let it go when you're supposed to let it go if you need to let it go. But yeah, this kid that won, I think his mom said he was playing like 8 to 10 hours a day. His mom said he was playing like 8 to 10 hours a day, bro. But he won $3 million, so. Yeah. I going to say, I mean. <laughs> That's crazy, but hey. It's a full-time. It's not that much time. I mean, yeah, it's not that much time if you think about it as a job, right? I mean, you yeah. work seven, people work seven, eight hours a day making $25,000 a year. So, 
what the fuck is the problem, right? But then again, how many kids are playing 8 to 10 hours a day that ain't doing shit besides playing 8 to 10 hours a day? I guess that's the question, right? Um, I guess it's, yeah, it's just one of those things. It's a context thing. Curious what everyone thinks, but yeah, it's definitely, it can be a disorder, I guess, depending on your situation. All right, the next one. Uh, getting a tattoo of your pet that passed away is going too far. Foul or no foul? No foul. People can do whatever they want. I mean, I wouldn't do it, but <laughs> now I'm with it's you. your body. Do whatever yeah. you want. No, I'm with you on this. I mean, again, you know, people get pretty upset over animals, over their pets. And a lot of times they call them their kids and their sons and this and that. And typically those people don't have kids, so they feel that way, which I get. Um, but at the same time, man, people put tattoos of people they don't even know on them, like dead artist and you know whatever so like whatever you feel like put on you i'm cool with it the reason i brought it up was because joe jonas and sophie turner from game of thrones fame just recently lost their dog he got hit by a car in new york city i think which sucks and both of them actually got tattoos of the dog's face on them so i was just curious what the perspective out there is but i know many people most people love pets love animals and so this won't seem far-fetched as it sounds oh curious yeah <laughs> we all see what you did there, <laughs> i need that <a> man <laughs> just in case anyone misses it you know all right so get your dog tattooed on you it's cool uh the next one call him back to our well all right listen we have a lot of talks about stuff in the in the game in the uh clock dodgers chat right in the group me chat so we have this conversation about chicken tenders for some reason somebody loves chicken tenders a lot i don't know who it is if you're a long-time listener, you know who it is. It's me. Uh, we had a conversation about dipping sauces, right? And, you know, we got really into it, really into it. We, this is the kind of stuff we spent our time doing because we're such busy people. And um, it got me thinking. Check out this statement, Adam. It's weird to not use any dipping sauces when eating chicken tenders, foul or no foul. Yeah, I'm going to say this, no foul. It definitely is a little weird. Like, I mean, I get it. Sure, if you just like the taste of chicken or whatever. But, like, dipping sauces have become so synonymous with... It's like eating French fries without ketchup or without dipping them in anything, I guess. Because I guess if you are weird enough that you don't want to use ketchup, you're going to dip them in something. But, like, just eating plain French fries just by themselves, like that's weird and i feel like doing that with chicken tenders is weird too not saying i haven't done it not saying i wouldn't do it and they don't still taste good but like it's not it's not the optimal decision right yeah I, i've definitely done it 100 i've done it in, on occasion i just don't feel like having a dipping sauce for whatever the reason is but like for instance my brother never uses dipping sauces on anything like he doesn't use condiments at all ketchup mustard barbecue sauce honey mustard nothing he does not use condiments I think it's kind of weird, man. I just feel like... Yeah, I'm missing out. Yeah, you're missing out, right? You're robbing yourself, right? But I guess people can say that about a lot of things that I don't do or try, so I can't really talk too much. But I was just curious what your opinion on that was since we were so in-depth in our dipping sauce conversation. It is kind of amazing how many sauces we'll dunk chicken into, but, like, wouldn't ever put on a burger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, true. It just... It's sad, but, like... There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of sauces out there that only get loved by chicken getting dunked in. Yeah, this is true. Let me ask you about a sauce that I've never had before, right? But I had something recently that was flavored with it in some sense of a way, and I was like, "Wow, that was really good." Was that because of this sauce I've never had before? And people are probably gonna laugh at me for this, but I've never had horseradish sauce. Have you? 
Uh, I have. I really hate it. Okay. Like so a I, lot. I was in like <laughs> I was in like a Publix or some grocery store or something, and somebody gave me some kind of like I want to say it was Boar's Head. I really don't want to give love to anybody because they're not sponsored. No, I'm just kidding. But I think it was Boar's Head pickles or something, but they were like horseradish pickles or something. They tasted really good, but I wasn't sure <laughs> if it was the horseradish taste that I liked or if it was just the pickle that I liked. I didn't know what it was. But I was like, wait, what is this flavored with? And it said horseradish on there. I was like, damn, I've never had horseradish before. Is that what that taste is? Like, yeah, how would you describe horseradish? horseradish? Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I haven't <laughs> had it in so long. I know I don't like it. Um, but, like, I, from what I remember, it's like it's, it's like a bitter spice taste, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know if that's what like, it, I mean, horseradish stuff can be spicy, but it's spicy from like a bitter place. Hmm. I'm trying to think of like anything that I could equate it to. Yeah, it doesn't sound appealing, but these pickles tasted pretty good. And I'm not really a pickle guy, so I don't know if it was the horseradish or what it was. But maybe again, like the bird expert, if there's a horseradish expert out there, you know, put me up on game because I'm not familiar with it. But I just thought like, am I missing something here? You know, sometimes I think about that with certain foods that I don't really eat. I'm like, am I missing like a really big thing here? Like, am I going to regret not getting into this? You know what I mean? That's how I feel sometimes. So when I had that pickle, I was like, am I missing something here? Because it tasted good. It tastes good, man. All right. The last one for you. Let me be clear. I'm not looking for personal advice here, Adam. This is not in relation to me. This is Lies. purely something I've seen on the internet. A story Somebody I read. I, uh-uh, I'll give sources after this, just in case. Here we go. You should not confront your wife when you find her profile on Tinder you swipe right and it's a match. Foul or no foul? What the fuck is wrong with society? <laughs> Who is writing these articles, Neil? And where are you finding them? And why am I responding to them? I need your response, Adam. I don't even know which one's which anymore. My the, brain the hurts. The first ever foul or no foul you've been stumped on. So let me just answer this really quick. So I seen this article and I double checked it like everywhere to see if it was like some legitimate. Thing. And again, I don't know if this is really legitimate, but everyone was running with it because it's obviously a headline. But it basically was a story about a husband who found himself on Tinder because it was a lonely night. His wife was on like a business trip or something. For some reason, he claims he wasn't going to use Tinder in that style. He was just bored and lonely and used it, came across his wife. Now, let me let me read straight from this article. This is on The Sun or some shit, but there's like it's on everything, Maxim, everything. It says the man posted this on Reddit, I believe. Um, he says, my wife and I don't have any sort of open relationship agreement or anything of that nature. We met on Tinder three years ago, fell in love fast, moved in together and got married. We've been married over 14 months now and quite happily, I would say. A month ago, she left on a business trip for a week and I found myself downloading Tinder on a particularly lonely night. I don't even know why. I didn't have any intentions, but I did it. Uh, he says that, you know, he went on to explain that he was swiping around, whatever. I was getting kind of bored kind of like a funny reminder of the time he had in his life. He deleted it, moved on. He said, but when his life, wife left for another business trip, he decided to give it another go, got on there again, sliding around for fun, whatever. And he found his wife's picture on there, read her profile. It was her. There's even a picture. He says he claims of him and her, but he's cut out of it. <laughs> um, and he said he decided to make a bold move. He swiped right and they matched. Uh, on the profile, which means both of them swiped that they liked each other. Um, but I guess the confusion... Which means that she knew that, she that knows he he's was on there. there already and not addressing it. Right. So the question is, does this what? gentleman address it knowing that they both know or does he not address it because it's so uncomfortable? Like, why are you on there? Why are you on there? What's going on here in our happy life? 
Like, what happens here? You know, there's always a chance that it's a friend of hers using a name or a fake profile. And he's just going to expose himself here and get him, put himself in a weird spot. So, like, what would you do here, Adam? What's so weird to me, and I cannot <laughs> remember the name of it, but there is a Jack Johnson song that is this exact scenario, but just with a newspaper ad. <laughs> and, like... I, it's just bugging me because, like, this is the oldest trope in the book, and I don't even know if I believe that, like, this particular story is that, real. That, that's but, what like, I said, and that's why I wanted to preface it with, I don't know if it's real. Um, yeah, I... But they're running with it on all the so websites. stupid. <laughs> but, like, I, I mean, I get it. Like, we live in a society where people don't talk about their relationships. We have a entire, like, world culture that all kind of subscribes to monogamy but then if you look closely at the vast majority of relationships they're like serial monogamous where people like have a monogamous relationship break up have another monogamous relationship break up but then inside of all of that you have people who just unfortunately there's a lot of people who cheat on each other there's a lot of infidelity in marriages there's a lot of People who, even if they don't get to the point of cheating, will do something like this, where they're, like, exploring their options on a dating app. And, right. like, I I honestly think in the context of a relationship, it's between you and the person you're with to decide what is right and wrong in what you will both accept in a partner. So, for me, it's like, well, if you're in a relationship where you're both not addressing stuff to the <laughs> point where you're both on a dating app and then you happen to find each other. Classic. Now's a good time to start addressing some shit. <laughs> now's a good time to be like, Hey, the elephant in the room just crushed through the door. Do we want to, do we want to like, you know, maybe mention it and like, see if we can repair the hole in the wall or whatever. Like, I mean, to me, it's one of those things where with relationships, it all just starts with a conversation. And if you get this far, yeah, hopefully you have a conversation. <laughs> Life is weird, man. It's it's funky, bro. It's crazy. Everyone does this thing a different way. There's no right or way, wrong way to do this. But I just thought that was a fun conversation to have, man. I think it's interesting. It's so weird. <laughs> Relationships are strange. Everything is weird, Adam. Everything is weird, man. It's a weird it's a weird world we live in, man. All right. I'm arguing that. So listen, we had no Josh. He 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 benched himself. Our guest rescheduled. He was sick. And we still had an amazing time, man. It's just how this, this is how this thing works. So last, keep on rolling. Keep on rolling. We don't want to stop for nothing, man. Last week, you and Josh fumbled this at the end. I asked for a parting word. You had nothing. You went dead air on me. You went silence. You did the podcast sin of just leaving people there with dead air. This week, I'm hoping you have a closing thought, Adam. Remember, man, you know how this works. We've done this forever. It could be advice. It could be an opinion, a recommendation on something you just tasted like horserider sauce or you knew about cardinals. It could be anything you want, man. Anything you want. If I have a cardinal expert on here, I would love him to give a cardinal fact here. You can do whatever you want, right? Mine, I do just want to, you know, I guess I just feel like I should say something about it. But, like, that recent festival that got shut up, people lost their lives. Like, you know, just putting positive energy out there, positive thoughts. People put prayers. Whatever it is that you do in tragedies like this or events like this. Definitely send it their way because that sucks to see. It's like, I hate seeing those things. A freaking kid lost his life too. Like, I hate seeing that stuff. So I just want to put a positive thought out there, positive energy, you know, kind of whatever we can for those families and everything. And just, man, we got to try to fix some shit in this world, man. Like I said, it's a crazy world. We're trying our best, but definitely keep those people in your thoughts. Keep them in your prayers. Keep them in whatever you do and whatever you do in life. And uh, let's try our best to be better people, man. What do you have? It's more positive, Adam. 
Yeah, no, I mean, just most definitely to echo what you said. But, yeah, I mean, to be more positive, um, I think one of the things that I, I just over, like, the last week have been really happy with is um, I'm going to Lollapalooza this weekend just for one day, and most of the day or is filled with acts that I wasn't familiar with at all. So I decided to make a playlist of all these artists that I never heard of. And then just slowly just start removing things from the playlist that I didn't like and, you know, liking things that I did. And I think it was like kind of a really neat exercise for me, um, just kind of to expose myself to new music in a way of like, I literally didn't know anything about a vast majority of the artists going into them. I just put a couple of their songs on a playlist and then just started shuffling through it. And I don't know, I think that for myself, I am probably like a lot of people. I don't really feel like I got exposed to new music enough. And I felt like that was kind of a really neat, easy way to get exposed to a lot of new music. And uh, now I'm in a situation where there's more things that I want to see than I'm going to even be able to. So it's it's been kind of a neat experience. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That is a pretty, I mean, first of all, very crafty of you to do your homework beforehand. This way you have some, you know, you did some research, man. You like to do research. I know, man. I see, I see how you move, but... Yeah, that was pretty smart of you to do. What artist, by the way, did you come away with that you really like? Oh, man. that That's, uh, like, I feel bad because I, I mean, there's, like, 15 or so on the playlist. But uh, without it in front of me, I'm, like, trying to remember uh, remember any of their names. Yeah. Um, I haven't been to a festival kn- or anything like that. Actually, I know one that is just kind of stuck in my head is um, she is a... Uh, I, I, I want to say, like, uh, a hip-hop artist, if you will, but I'm not, like, I'm not really sure how exactly to classify her. Her name's Bay Miller, um, but for some reason, her shit just gets stuck in my head more than any other artist on the playlist. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. Bay Miller, Bay B-E-A Miller. Miller. not familiar with her. Yeah, I know. I mean, but that, again, like, that's that's what I really liked about this. The vast majority of the artists that... I started listening to are people who I'm not that familiar with. Like, there's this rapper named Role Model. I don't know if you really even call him a rapper, because, I mean, he does kind of a wide array of stuff. I really liked a lot of his stuff that I've come across. I don't know. It's been neat. And, like, I I guess my biggest takeaway is just to, you know, be willing to expose yourself to a lot of new music and realize that, you know, if you're anything like me, you're going to dislike the majority of it. But the feeling of discovering new music that I actually like is such a cool feeling that, I I mean, doing an exercise like this, I don't know. It's been fun. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Definitely the music, it's been harder. I think to to find our way through new music is probably a a victim of a lot of things. Obviously, there's just so much music now. It's, you know, it's oversaturated. It's hard to pick and choose what the hell we're listening to. Then you got, you know, things like the radio and stuff, just shoving certain songs down your throat. And you got like... Obviously, you got options like podcasts now and so many different things on the Internet to consume our lives with besides just music. But I feel like a lot of things always come back to the music, man. It's a special art form. It's a it does something for us, you know, chemically. And uh, it's a really cool way to, you know, to find new artists. I guess if you're not going to a festival or something where you feel like you have to educate yourself on the artist, I'm trying to think of another way you could do that. Like maybe just I mean, you could up... still pull lineups from a yeah, festival just yeah. to get like exposure to new artists. That's true. Just pull up. I mean, lineups. that's that's the thing I was thinking of while doing this is I'm only going Saturday, but there's obviously artists playing Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. 
I can do the same thing if I wanted to discover more new music, which I might after the uh, after the weekend. Or even just clicking on some of these random playlists and stuff like Spotify. All these sites, all these apps now have like just playlists that they put together and just go in there and just, man, even if you just scroll all the way, just let it go crazy and just stop it on something and just like whatever it is, we're rolling with it. <laughs> like, there's a bunch of different options. But, yeah, there's so much great music out there, man. It's, it's hard. It really is hard at this point to consume all of it or even a vat there's artists sometimes that'll drop an album and i'll never get to it for like six months like a year like it's just so hard to consume everything man like especially even if it's people that just you like there's so many talented people that like you even forget how talented some people are you know what i mean like you'll listen to someone you're like consuming them for like a month straight and this person's amazing and then like something new comes along and you forget that you stopped listening to that amazing person <laughs> last month like it's crazy man it's just there's so much good stuff even in podcasting man like the different kind of podcasts that keep coming out like people take it to different levels and find new ways like you know me and you have talked about the crime podcast like the murder mysteries and stuff i got caught up in them things and then just couldn't stop doing it man like it just there's something new every time the, th- the thing with the murder podcast for me is like i need to binge it i can't do this like wait a week for a new episode of shit i can't do it on murder podcast like i have to find it after the fact or like or like when it's already a season out and like they're doing the second season now, but I can go back and binge the whole first season. Like I can't wait a week to hear the update. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I need it like a Netflix show where you just drop the whole season in one shot. Like that's what I need when it comes to those podcasts for some reason. I just can't get over you calling a murder podcast. That's what I call it, man. It's about fucking murder. <laughs> I don't. I don't do all this horror, I mean, crime, unsolved mysteries, unsolved mysteries. Is often fucking the, murder, the genre or true crime. Um, those are the genres that most people accept. But yeah, murder podcasts. <laughs> I listen to shit about murder, man. What can I tell you? But yeah, when I have to like end next week, and I literally have to wait a week to hear like an update, I'm like, no, you're killing me with this, man. Like, I can't do this. I have to hear it like all in a row, if that makes sense. Where on regular podcasts, you could do it whenever. And I'm like, all right, I'm there for it. <laughs> it's weird. It's like, I don't know how to explain it. But, yeah, we gave enough recommendations, Adam. We did we did great. We did good. We were good. We're good, man. And people go check out Bay Miller. Is that what you said? Yeah, Bay Miller. Bay Miller. B-A-E Adam cosigns. Miller. Adam makes some bad cosigns, so I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you go judge for yourself. Thank you. Thank you again everybody for listening. Thank you. If you haven't subscribed, please do that ASAP. You can do it on whatever podcast app you use. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find me on every social media platform that you can at Clock Dodgers. And you can find Adam on Twitter at the other FF guy. Exactly how it sounds. There's no funny spellings or anything in between. At the other FF guy. Go follow him and argue with him about zero running backs or something. And that's it, man. We're done. Be kind. Be great. Adam failed. Keep dodging. Try to let Adam fucking fill it. <laughs> try to let him fucking fill it in for once. Uh, for once, I know, and listen, that's why I didn't do it. For it's once, so good. For the once. whole point of the end of the podcast is for me to irritate you. Haven't you got that? <laughs>